0: Welcome to the Life After Life podcast, where we explore our soul's physical and non-physical journey. I'm Majana. Let's discuss angels, guides, and loved ones from the other side. Hey, 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 how you doing? Happy holidays. We're in the midst, right in the midst of them, finished the December 20, mid-December 20s, and we're now heading into the end. So I hope everybody is safe and joyful. I am so excited about this this topic today, and I want to give a shout out to Nicole, Sonia, Christine, Sarah, Karen, and if I've missed anybody else who has specifically talked about or requested birthmarks, I'm sorry I didn't leave you off intentionally, and I'm always open for suggestions. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So obviously, there's a lot of interest in What do birthmarks mean, and do they have anything to do with our prior lifetimes? I haven't done anything with this in the past because I always felt like if it's not something that you can validate, then it's speculation, right? And I'm all about exploring possibilities, and I consider myself kind of a scientist. My minor is in science, and I kind of like things to be verifiable when possible. So I thought, okay, I'm going to check this out. And wow, wow, what a absolute plethora of information. And I'm so excited to share this stuff. I'm going to put resources in our Facebook group. So if you're not a member and you would like to be, I would love for you to just uh, request to join Life After Life Facebook group. It's, it's a private closed group, and I'll be glad to let you in on that. These resources will be listed there, Okay. So the first guy you ought to check out is Dr. Ian Stevenson. He worked at the University of Virginia. He was a professor and department chair for like 50 years. And he founded the Division of Perpetual Studies at the University of Virginia, which investigates paranormal activities. He became very well known for, of course, his study of reincarnations. He retired in 2002 and just has this huge long list of accolades but it's definitely somebody to check out. He wrote a book that, you know, I may have to read this. It just sounds really cool. It's entitled Where Reincarnation and Biology Intersect. I'm going to talk about some of the case studies he mentions in that book here just in a minute. When he retired, Dr. Jim Tucker took over and is still there now. He has a book out called Return to Life. It's actually been a New York Times bestseller. Another good one to check out, I think. All right, here's the thing with these two guys, and you know, I I think I'm going to have to do another podcast on this as well, just on their findings in reincarnation, because it's absolutely fascinating. I completely got sucked into this. So the thing is that these two men have done over 2,500 past life studies, all with kids who have memories. All right, how cool is this? These are the commonalities and kind of their criteria. As soon as a child started talking complete sentences, by three years old, oftentimes, sometimes as late as five, but they would be passionate about talking about this other lifetime. And they would often be confused as to which lifetime they were in because that one was so real to them they would remember their name, all of these details, their family, where they lived, their job, What you know, as an adult, what they did. And they remembered how they died. Okay, another key piece here is that 70% of these kids in their previous life died of unnatural means. So they were either murdered, committed suicide, or were killed in some sort of an accident. Those that did have a natural death, disease, that kind of thing, A fourth of those kids were under the age of 15 when they died. So a conclusion drawn here is these people did not get to live out their lifetimes, right? It was ended abruptly and they came back pretty dang quickly to get to finish out their life. They came back an average of four and a half years later. From the time that they died until the time they came back was only four and a half years. If they had died of suicide, it was less. And I didn't see the exact time period, they just said it was less. The other thing is they often, when they came back, had phobias or just real irrational fears of whatever caused their death. They maintained similar personalities to the personalities they had previously. Their likes, their dislikes, temperament, quick to temper, or not, and even sort of around the average intelligence. Oh yeah, here's another thing. They sometimes were born back into the same family. I saw one, now there may be many, many more, right? But I read about one where these girls were born back into the same parents. So they had an older sister that was still their sister. And would talk about their other toys. In fact, when they had died, the parents took their toys and put them up in the attic. And when the girls got to be the age where they would enjoy those toys, they came across them. They actually found them in the attic and immediately claimed their own toys. They knew whose was which which doll belonged to which girl and so forth. They could tell exact, oh, they told how they died. That was a common thing here. The kids could always describe how they died. So they were not always born into the same family. And some of them that still were, it may have been another generation or it was like this man died or was killed early and then he was reincarnated into his own nephew, right? Or a grandfather or great-grandfather was reincarnated into that same family. So there were still living people in the family who could verify that this was true. There are some cultures still you know, today. And it's kind of tradition that when someone dies, they mark the body so that they can tell when a baby comes back into the family or into the community, there will be a birthmark to substantiate. That's who it was. Okay. They have 2,500 of these. This is the largest database available. And these are also talked about, some of them, in the book that Dr. Stevenson wrote. So one of them that I sound fascinating. Okay, they were all fascinating, pretty much. So there was two brothers, they were twins, who were in a land disagreement with neighbors. And the neighbor had them murdered, called them over to his house. They thought it was under a pretense of something completely different, and it was safe. About, I think they said nine other men came in. They had poles, long, like wooden poles, And they restrained them with these poles. They were murdered, and their bodies were thrown into a a well. Recovered a few days later, when these boys were reborn, now two miles, two like four kilometers, two and a half miles away. So nearby community. And they had very vivid memories of this. They started talking about it quite young and would talk about their families, talk about how they were killed. Their birthmarks correlated with where they were restrained with the poles. So they were laying down, and the poles were put on their backs, and the, and the men would hold them down. And they had very light-colored birthmarks across their back where they were restrained, and then head wounds from where they were killed as well. This is neardeath.com, reincarnation slash research slash Ian Stevenson. And he had some pictures of people, of kids, that he has verified. And so one of these boys has a malformed ear and has a memory of being killed at close range accidentally as a shotgun went off and it hit that side of his head and his ear is malformed. There's also a girl that's missing her knee, I'm sorry, missing her leg, just from underneath the knee. Which is uncommon to be born missing one leg as if it had been amputated. The other one was fine. It was verified that she previously had been run over by a train and her leg was amputated, and then it, as was her torso, was um, she, that's how she was killed. She had the memory of that as well, and then there were people that could verify it. There was a boy that was missing fingers on one of his hands because he had the memory of actually putting his hand into some sort of a chopping machine and losing his fingers. Now, this guy died from an accidental gunshot wound in 1942. In 1945, he came back and had birthmarks, had an entry like in the palm of his hand, and this is very common with gunshot wounds. The entry point is round, obviously, And if there's an exit, if the bullet actually exited, it's much bigger at the exit point. And so he had the entry point in his palm, the exit in his wrist. And what happened as he started talking about it, and he actually had a dream about it, was he had been with his very good friend, and they were out in a boat, and he was accident- He accidentally shot himself in the hand. It came out his wrist. And his friend did a tourniquet. He was just completely distraught. They were 10 hours from a hospital. So his friend did everything he could to save him. But when he got to the hospital, his arm already had gangrene. They had to amputate it. He still didn't make it. And, what, three years later, he was born, reborn, to the same family. That would have been his uncle, that had died, and immediately starts talking about this. His uncle's friend can completely validate it and was completely and fully exonerated. So what do these other scars look like? So they say that you know, bullet scars we would expect to be round and they are and often at the point of it, point of entry it's raised. If the bullet actually exited, it would be either larger or even a little bit of a scatter, maybe. If it's a shotgun, right, it kind of scatters when it once it goes in. So those there'd be these different patches. They say that if there's a brown and flat birthmark, not a mole. And they are very, very adamant about the difference between what's a common mole, brown, tan, pink, they're elevated or domed. They can come at birth or, the, or people develop moles later in life. And they are, they're saying these are absolutely not moles. They are very, very unique marks. And powder burns from a gun is often flat and brown. Then there's what they call a cannon scar. Which are less and less frequent because we don't use cannons anymore. But I actually saw a picture of this, and it's pretty wild. But it's a ring around the almost the whole head that's just this scar tissue. There's no explanation for that whatsoever. And they call that a cannon scar because a cannon would, you know, take off a large part of that part of the body. So today we have what we call port wine stains, birthmarks. Those would be the the red. It looks like somebody spilled wine on a baby. It can be on any part of the body. What I found out is as an infant, they can be any range of darkness, but they often get darker as the person grows. So what those seem to come from, there can be a few different things. I saw a picture of someone that hand looked like it was very inflamed, bright red, a little bit larger, like looked swollen compared to the other hand. And this person has a memory of having leprosy. But it, lo- it was the color of a port wine stain. Back in the older days, surgeries, you know, weren't quite what they are today. And sometimes having surgery for an issue actually was more dangerous than just dealing with and or living with whatever the cause was. There are a lot of stories about people dying in surgery or because of a surgery. Once they died, the blood wasn't cleaned up from the surgery. And that left a port wine stain because it wasn't clean before they were cremated. So they came back like where, where the actual blood would be on the skin. The other explanation for port wine stains are burns. And what they said with all of these, especially if they're colored, is if they're a bright color or a deep color, that typically shows that your body and your soul haven't had time to recover from that trauma, that it lessens as you grow and as you heal. All right, so this makes me wonder this. If someone has past life memory or whether they have the memory or not, but they have a scar, port wine stain or some other scar that is really unique and would lead you to believe that this is not just a, you know, there's there's a reason for this. So my question is, could you go back and do past life regression or meditation and heal that? If you can do that, if you can help your body heal and your soul heal that trauma, would your scars start to fade in this lifetime? Mm, See, that's the scientific part of me. I like these kind of, I, I want to know, inquiring minds want to know. Let's see, what else? Gosh, there are just so many examples here. So what do you do? Okay, well, let's look at this. Let's think about this for a minute. Let's say that you do have a scar or you kind of wonder if maybe it's from a past life or maybe you have a past life memory and you want to figure this out. You want to heal from it. Maybe you want to experiment, like I just said, and see if you can help heal that scar. How would you go about that? Now we're going into Madonnaism. When you're doing past life regressions or talking directly to your higher self, now I think I talked about this in a previous podcast, sometimes I talk to my higher self versus my guides. Now one of my criteria as to who am I going to call in to talk about this is if I'm talking about or asking about, Some topic that transcends lifetimes. For example, when I was having my back surgery a year and a half ago, it was pretty clear to me that I was bringing in stuff from multiple lifetimes and it was all going to be healed in this lifetime. So I brought in my higher self for that. My guides could help too, but this is the I bring in my higher self for that because my higher self is going to have access. To all of my lifetimes, because that's who I mean. I've experienced all of these and fed them to my all that knowledge to my higher self. That's who I want to heal. I want to heal myself now, and I want to go back and heal me in the past, and I want to make sure the future me doesn't have these issues as well. So when I call in my higher self, either for myself or if I have um, a client and we're doing a session, this is the way I call in higher self, and you you can do this. You don't need me to do this. You don't need anybody. You can totally do this on your own. The reason I do this is I have heard from other cultures as well that, and it just resonates with me, that when you say out loud your complete birth name, first, middle, last name, ladies, not married name, not current name, but the name you were given at birth, it's your voice, that tone, right? We have that intonation of you saying out loud, your given name brings in your higher self. I do it three times. So say your full name three times out loud. Hopefully you'll feel a little bit of a shift. Often to me, when angels or guides or my higher self, higher vibration comes in, I get a little bit lightheaded, might get a little bit dizzy. It's a definite shift in energy. Go into meditation, say your name, and ask to be shown what caused this birthmark. And here's the thing always say for your highest and best good, would you please show me for my highest and best good how I can resolve any trauma associated with this birthmark? Or would you please show me what caused this birthmark if it pertained to a previous lifetime and it's in my highest and best good? The reason I always ask for highest and best good is because there's so much information. If it's not in your highest and best good, why would you want to know? Especially if it's something that could cause you emotional pain. Why would you want to know that? There's so much stuff. I mean, just think about this lifetime alone. There are memories that you would rather not have, probably. You'd like to get rid of them. So don't bring forth memories from other lifetimes unless you can heal those now, if they can serve you. Then you would like to get rid of those. The other thing that is very, very cool about your highest and best is there's no private good. So if you are receiving something that is in your highest and best good, it is also in everybody else's highest and best good. Because that means that you have something that you can share If it's in your highest and best and it makes you healthier, it makes you wealthier, it makes you abundant in whatever way, it makes you calmer, gives you peace of mind, that just makes you better able to give to your loved ones. You're calmer. You're happier. So there's no personal best. What serves one serves all. So that's not being selfish to ask for that at all. The other thing I would suggest is... Because this is dealing with other lifetimes, now you could do a past life regression, but what I, what I believe is whether you're doing a past life regression or meditating or working with your higher self but still acknowledging past life stuff, what's going to come up is only that which is relevant right now. You have so many other lifetimes. Why would you relive all that? So what is going to show up right now is exactly what you need to show up right now is what needs to be healed or is relevant for this topic. So same thing with past life regressions. Sometimes I think it would be beneficial. I don't think it's always necessary. Your subconscious mind has access to that, or your other than conscious mind, your higher self, any part of you that has access to the Akashic Records or past memories. So I would try it first on my own, and then get help if you feel like you need help. Okay, even simpler than that would be just relaxing. Ask your subconscious mind because your subconscious mind doesn't forget anything in this lifetime, including what it's like to be in utero. It wants to protect you. That's why sometimes we feel like it's our enemy or it's blocking us from doing something when really what it's trying to do is protect us. So just say, hey, subconscious mind. Maybe you have a name for it. I do. You know, I really want to get to the bottom of this. And heal any trauma. I just kind of think that you might have some insights. So let's work together on this, okay? You know, just have a conversation with your subconscious like it's your best friend. And just relax completely. And let your mind just wander. You might focus on your breathing is a really good way. Because your mind is built to think. So if you're focusing on your breathing, it gives your mind something to focus on. And then just let whatever comes up, come up. And don't brush anything away as your imagination. Just accept everything without judgment and being in the flow. And then when you're finished with that, thank you, higher self. Thank you, subconscious mind. Thank you, angels and guides or whomever you called in to help with this and just kind of sit with it and see what really resonates with you on that. Maybe nothing does. Maybe something will. And I wouldn't go really all intellectual on it. You're checking with your internal guidance. Does that seem, does that feel like that really happened to me? Maybe even in this lifetime, we can suppress things, right? So use your internal guidance on that. Become aware of your dreams and thoughts when you're not thinking about this. This is what's beautiful about your higher self, angels and guides. When your conscious mind is going, um, I don't know if I'm ready for this or trying to push it aside or make you think that you're imagining they can really sneak ideas and thoughts into your head. Keep paper with you. If you have a dream, as soon as you wake up, jot it down. If you are busy and then randomly you get an image or a sound or anything at all that is out of ordinary or has nothing to do with what you're doing, write it down. And then you can go back and revisit those and see if they fit together at all to make, to make a story, to figure out what may have happened. And, you know, you just maybe won't be able to in this lifetime. But I do think, this is just my guess, that if your goal is to heal, that your angels, guides, and higher self will be willing to help you heal. I can't imagine, I mean, it's possible that there's just a reason you shouldn't heal in this lifetime. One of the other things that Dr. Stevenson and Dr. Tucker noted is, again, that we have soul pods. And I love that. I mean, this came up because that's a maganaism. I just call them soul pods. I don't know if anybody else does. That's, a, <laughs> that's my term for it. But they did talk about when these kids came back, oftentimes they wanted to be called by their prior name. Sometimes they really just wanted to go back to that family. They felt like that parent was their real parent. This one that they were born into isn't. There were some really cool examples of families in India where there's a caste system and those kids struggled with that, especially if they had been in a higher caste family than they were born into the second time. Then they actually sometimes struggled with it and expected to be waited on and didn't want to wear the clothes that were less expensive. So if there's somebody you know in your family that Just kind of resonates as wow, that you that just remind me a lot of whomever it's possible, it's very possible. It makes me wonder. I saw a picture of my father's grandfather, he never knew this man, nobody knew anything about this guy. Ironically, my I mean, when I first saw that picture, it's the only picture that anybody in the family ever had. I'm not even sure where it came from. My dad looks just like him, it was freaky. So now after reading this, I'm thinking, wow, I wonder if it is. Could it have been him? Could have been. Absolutely, I think so. Listen to the littles talk. Listen to the little kids. If they're talking about remember when. I know Brock did this. He was about three years old. And he said to me one day, Mama, do you remember a long, 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 long time ago when Grandpa and I were brothers? Well, no, I didn't. And I told him, oh, Brock, I'm sorry, I don't remember that. He was Pretty irritated with me, actually, that I did not remember that. So I went to, what can we get to substantiate this? And I'm trying to figure out, asking him, what did you wear? Do you remember where you lived? Do you remember what your house looked like? And he just found all of those details completely mundane. He didn't want to talk about that at all. He was very irritated with me. And all he cared about at three years old was that he and Grandpa were brothers. And Brock was the big brother. He was the older one. And he thought that was hilarious. He loved it. He was cracking up and irritated that I had nothing to do with that. He couldn't tell me if I was there or not. He was just focused on that one piece. So much so... My dad lived out of state, and it was probably at least two months before we saw my dad again. As soon as we saw him, Brock went running in there and said, Grandpa, do you remember a long, long, long time ago when we were brothers? And my dad just kind of looked at him and said, No, Brock, I'm sorry, I don't remember that. And Brock was angry, and his feelings were hurt, and he got very indignant, and he said, <laughs> with his hands on his hips at three years old, Well, we were, so we may as well just call each other Bud. (laughs) And so my dad honored that and called him Bud forever after that and would always say, we're still Buds, right? So they are Buds, even though Daddy's on the other side. They're still Buds. So listen to them. Cool stuff going on. They remember a lot, and those memories do fade if they aren't talked about and substantiated now I think these people remembered a lot of them because they had parents that listened to them willing to let them go into these investigations with Dr. Tucker and Dr. Stevenson I hadn't come across in their research that they said at a certain age these kids lost those memories or not after it was verified but I know that if we don't acknowledge it they will dismiss it as imagination because it's not validated for them all right cool stuff So I will put the websites and people and books on the Facebook group and let me know. I would love to hear from you, Majana at Life After Life Radio. And I would love you to check out our website. I wrote an angel meditation. It's on there for free. We've got several freebies on there. Um, Waterfall clearing, angel meditation. Thomas has some astrology stuff. That website is www.soulfoodtalks.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, namaste.